I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve farm sustainability. On this month's episode, Dr. David Wall, Chagas researcher based in Johnstown Castle, gives advice on how we can improve our nitrogen use efficiency and practical advice for your farm. I'm a researcher uh, looking at the nutrient efficiency program. So uh, what's, what's that in a, in a nutshell? Basically, what I'm looking at is nutrients uh, that are put into soils uh, to grow grass and grow crops and where the fate of those nutrients goes. So how can we increase the recovery of those nutrients that we put in at different times of the year by the grass and, and by the crops? How can we do better in terms of building soil fertility and assuring that our soil fertility is resilient and robust enough to grow good quality of crops as well as quantity? Because we all know that that, uh, the nutrients um, that we put into our animals, et cetera, have to be of good quality to to get good products. And the third part of it, I suppose, is, is looking at if they're not recovered on the first pass, so after the first grazing round, after an application, et cetera, that we can be sure that they're recovered on the second pass, so in the, in the next grazing round. If not, they may be lost to the environment, and that's something that we want to prevent because it's costly to the farmer, number one. It's a loss to his business, his or her business. Um, it's costly in terms of the soil fertility, so that will be drawn down if, if we're losing it out of the soil system. And uh, more in the media in, in recent years is it's also a big cost to the environment. So no farmer uh, wants to be polluting his or her waterway uh, or the well water, we'll say, under their land uh, for their farm family or their neighbours are drinking. Yeah, and look, and we're finding that as well with the ASAP service. We're going around trying to help people out. And uh, the biggest thing is we're finding pe- people don't want to lose nutrients into the river. They don't want to lose it up to the air. They want it in, in to grow their grass. So that, that's vitally important. But uh, I suppose nitrogen use efficiency is the one on everyone's lips at the moment. You know, it's all over the papers and the news. It's, it's everywhere we're talking about. We can hear Jack Nolan from Department of Ag talking the importance of you know, making the nitrogen work better first and stop the losses. Um, I suppose the big thing that people ask me when I'm on the farm is what is nitrogen use or nutrient use efficiency or nitrogen use efficiency, whatever you're talking about at the time. So, so basically uh, nutrient or, or nitrogen, if we, if we stick with nitrogen um, for, for this, it's the same for other nutrients. It's, it's the recovery, the proportion of what we apply, how much of that is recovered by the grass, number one, if we think about a, 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 a cattle uh, our, our sheep farm or our dairy farm, how much of that is recovered in the grass and ultimately how much is recovered in the end product that we're selling. So we bring uh, nutrients in over the farm gate into our farms in terms of fertilizer or in terms of feed. So there's, there's also protein and nitrogen in our, our, our feedstuffs. And then what do we sell from the farm going out the gate again in terms of milk, meat, or potentially crops going out the gate. And it's the difference between the two uh, is, is what we're measuring here. So if we think about a field um, and a field area, we put on slurry, 
we put on maybe a, a bagged fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer, how much of that has recovered from that field area? So the proportion, if we put on, we'll say uh, 200 kilos of, of nitrogen as slurry and as a chemical fertilizer, how much of that 200 kilos do we actually, per hectare, do we have actually take back out of that hectare? And that's our level of efficiency. So, you know, you would be hoping that that would be high. A high amount of efficiency means that you're getting a good return on your investment in terms of what you put in. You're recovering most of that and uh, turning that into a product at the end of the day. And uh, when you talk about fish, are we kind of at now at the moment, say uh, maybe a, a dairy farm would take, for example, are we kind of at that 25, 20, 25% nitrogen use efficiency at the moment? And if, if that's the figure, is that the case for every tonne of fertilizer or nitrogen you spread, is only a quarter of it getting back to the farm? Unfortunately, um, nitrogen use efficiency is one of the lower ones in terms of the nutrients in general. And some of the reasons why it's, uh, it, it, it's lower in terms of what we recover back out of the system is to do with uh, a, a grazing system uh, we don't control or we don't capture all the nutrients that are flowing around in the system. And when I, when, I, when I say that, the animal is eating the grass. So the grass might be very efficient at capturing the nutrients first and foremost. So you could be following a good fertilizer program, putting out the right amount at the right time uh, over the year. And the grass is very efficient and has a permanent root system and recovering those nutrients. However, once those nutrients are eaten by the, the grazing animal, most of those nutrients go back out the back end in dung and urine. And we're not storing that in a slurry tank or in, a, in, in farmyard manure, et cetera, where we can say, okay, we have it recovered now and we can reapply it where we need it. It's being recovered or it's being um, excreted out in a dung and urine patch, which we can't control and hence, it, it lowers our overall efficiency. So what we really need to think about is what are the sources of nutrients that we can manage and that we can uh, maximize their use efficiency in the system. So, you know, if we think about those, we have the soil itself and the organic matter. We need to think about when the supply of nutrients or, or nitrogen from the organic matter through mineralization is happening so that we can maybe hold back a little bit with the nitrogen fertilizer in the bag and let the soil take over for that period. At other periods there where you're spreading uh, organic manure, be it slurry, be it farmyard manure, then we're putting in that source. So again, we don't need to uh, put on as much chemical fertilizer during that period. And then at other periods, where the soil is not doing as much for us or the organic manure is not doing as much for us, then we can go with the bagged fertilizer for that period and maximize the, the, the efficiency. So it's important that we understand the system. The other big issue um, or the big consideration that needs to be taken on board is how much recovery potential is there by the grass at that time of the year? So if we're in the early season when the grass is very growing very little, uh, maybe, you know, 20, 30 kilos a day, should we put on the same amount of nutrients as in May when the grass is growing 80, 90, 100 kilos per day? And, and surely considering that we'll get 
the, the, the fertilizer program a little bit more optimal. Um, David, how important do you feel um, clover will be in offsetting chemical nitrogen um, inputs and reducing costs on, on farms going forward? Well, Deirdre, um, I think clover is the future. I think it has to be the future. Um, we have some challenges in terms of uh, reducing nitrogen fertilizer, uh, even in terms of, of the government's climatized strategy. They're talking about reducing uh, fertilizer in terms of the, the EU farm to fork. So this is new legislation that's coming on board in the next couple of years, and they're, they're, um, they're proposing a 20% cut in, in nitrogen fertilizer. So we'll have to uh, get cleverer in terms of how we use the resources that we have. So to get more from what we have, that's the definition of efficiency. And clover in that mix, where the plant itself, that clover plant is fixing or capturing nitrogen from the atmosphere and pumping it down into the soil where the grass, the ryegrass, and what other species you have in there get the benefit from having the clover being a neighbor of the, of the clover in the, in the soil. And the research that, that um, we're, we're currently conducting at Chagas shows that we can, uh, with a good clover sward, 20% um, clover over the, over the year, we can capture in the region of 120 to 150 kilograms of nitrogen uh, through that clover. Uh, in the southeast of the country, I suppose all the way down, nearly from Dublin all the way to, to, to Cork, we're in that zone of quite free draining so soils. So, and we, we know, I suppose, we talked a lot about farmers that generally, in general, the free drained soils are the nitrate issues. And in general, the heavier soils over to the Midlands and West are the, the phosphorus issues. And we know we have a big problem down this side of the country. Uh, we're in zone A, down this side of the country, where we're allowed to get out with our slurry and fertilizer quicker than anyone else. And, and that's because we have such free drained soils, we can have extended grazing seasons, we can get out quicker, our soils heat up quicker, so it's, we can farm that bit harder. But we have a nitrate issue here. Now, what can we do from now on in to, to, to try and minimize that damage? Because as, as it stands, you know, half our water bodies aren't meeting the, the standard they need to be. And if we don't get that sorted in the next seven to 10 years, no, we're in serious bother from Europe. Yeah, I think, it, look at it, it's a, it's, a, it's a very pertinent question, Cahill, and it's, it's one that I know that, that the likes of the Department of Agriculture and both the EPA uh, are, are very to the fore of their mind at the moment. So look at, first and foremost, I think farmers need to take this into their own hands rather than, you know, having, having uh, regulation and more and more regulation coming on top of them. They can do something themselves to help manage this process before it becomes worse and worse. That's the first statement that I'd make. Uh, secondly, in terms of how to uh, come about it, I think First and foremost, we need to think. Um, we need to think about more how, how we're going to manage our system in terms of when we need the grass, the grass demand, how vigorously the grass is grown at different times of the year, and then try to feed that grass to yield. So, if I use an analogy of feeding in the parlour, you know, there's there's two ways of feeding. There's flat rate feeding where you feed every cow the same amount of, of concentrate in the parlour. Um, and you're hoping that all the cows are at peak milk for that period. Or if you're in a winter milk type scenario, you would feed to yield because some cows are at the end of the lactation, some cows 
are at the start and middle of their lactation. So you don't want to be wasting concentrate on ones that are not going to give it back to you. It's the very same analogy if, if we think about the fields on the farm. Some fields on the farm are your ones that are going to grow big amounts of grass growth and they need to be fed accordingly. And then you have other areas because of soil type, maybe they're wetter, maybe the swards are old and tired, maybe the soil fertility is, is, is poorer. Those need to be fed that little bit less because they don't have the potential to grow the same amount of grass. And I think using that strategy, that can be very simple. Most farms have one or two soil types. Many farms have, have, have a few more, but if we were to, to break it down into wet and dry, even to be that crude, you have your dry soils and you have your wetter soils. Those dry soils are going to heat up quicker. They're going to be easier to travel. However, they have a bigger leaching problem in terms of nutrients moving through the soil when the rain is falling compared with those wetter soils where the water is building up in the soil and not going anywhere, but they're slower to warm up in the spring. So again, uh, if, if we were to create a fertilizer plan, I would think, okay, split your farm into wet and dry. That's the first thing. Think about then when your stock are going to go out. So if your stock, if you're an early calving system and your stock are going out in February, then you need to have some of your paddocks built up with grass, ready to go till April, till that first round. And then I think usually from Paddy's day onwards, things become drier and drier as we, as we go along and the wetter ground comes into the, into, the, into the mix. So only then think about fertilizing some of that dry ground, but we need to think about, are we going to go with slurry on that ground? If we're going with slurry on that ground and we're going with two and a half thousand gallons, we probably have enough nitrogen in that slurry to last us till into March, into April on that ground. There's no need to be putting chemical fertilizer on top of that nitrogen. If we're using low emission slurry spreading, each thousand gallons probably has about eight or nine units of, of N. So if we're putting out 3000 gallons, you have somewhere in the region of 25 to 30 um, units of, 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 of nitrogen gone out. If we're growing a ton over that whole period, a ton of dry matter, that ton is only taken up in the region of 30 uh, kilos or, or 24 or 25 units over that whole period, then we don't need all this nitrogen early. We don't need it in January and early February, maybe hold off till mid-March and then come along with your, 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 your protected urea or your compound as it may be. So I think feeding to yield, understanding your soils, understanding the swards on your, on your farm, and then trying to match the nutrients or the nitrogen in, in, in particular to those fields as they warm up. One thing that, that, that does strike me there in terms of soil temperature, grass will not grow or, or grows very, very poorly if the soil temperature is below five degrees, five or, 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 or below. So we need a, 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 a soil temperature of 5.5 and above for the grass to begin to grow. So if at this time of the year, you know, it's very frosty out today, it's the, the 25th of January, and I would question how much value we would be getting out of 
loads of nitrogen gone out on a day like today, if this were to persist for another couple of weeks, why not hold off? Why not uh, bide your time, hold off till we're sure that we're out of this vein of cold weather and then put on a little bit of nitrogen or put on a little bit of slurry uh, to kick things off and then feed to yield as we go through the season. So I hope that kind of makes sense in terms no. of... It makes huge sense. And the one thing that struck me there as you're talking is that you've given us, uh, what farmers are really fed up here and that we're in trouble. They want, they want to know how, how do we get out of trouble? What do we do in the farm? And you've, you've said several things there, good piece of advice. And the big thing that struck me as you went through it is if they make all those changes on the farm um, and they're saving nitrogen here, there and everywhere, it's an accumulation of savings. But the important thing that I've taken from your conversation is if you make these savings, you have to cut it back on the spinner then when you go out. There's no point in making yeah. all the savings and then keep spreading the same as you spread last year and the year before. No, the, the, the fertilizer spreader needs to be adjusted. And, you know, if, if you are going, we'll say you're a dairy farm and you're going out with eight rounds of nitrogen fertilizer, either compound or, or straight nitrogen. If we were, if we're only saving uh, five units or five kg in each round, you know, you have 40 units or 40 kilograms saved there over the eight rounds, that's, that's more than your 20% or, or is about your 20% if you're a nitrogen user with no penalty in terms of growing grass. However, you get all the benefits there in terms of your pocket, because there's 40 euro per hectare saved. We'd say if we, if we cost nitrogen at about a euro, um, but also then you get the added benefits of you're protecting the environment, um, and, and you don't run into problems there with, with having uh, grass that's, that's over rank, that you have urea in the milk, etc., and all these other problems that manifest when, when, when the thing is over egged. So what I would say is the four R's, there's four simple R's in terms of, 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 of fertilizer. So they are the right product. So be it a compound be it a straight end, be it a protected urea where you're, you're, you're lowering the emissions, or be it slurry. You put it on at the right time seasonally when the grass is growing and you put it on at the right rate, right? And lastly, what probably is the first one that you think about, where are you going to go with it? The right place. Little tweaks can bring you a long way here and it's not like turning your back on what you've done for the last 20 years. It's just thinking about what we're going to do in 2021 and implementing these little changes. And I think the setting on the fertilizer spreader is probably the most important bit. That's it for this month's episode of the Chagask Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Dr. David Wall for joining us on this month's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify, and for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. And I'm Deirdre Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability. Mm-hmm.